G'day, g'day, this is Sheldon the Kangaroo Kid. Before we start the episode, I just wanted to let you know the thought process that we went through before deciding to release this episode on You're the Voice, being that it's so close to the death of Glenn Wheatley. I interviewed Chong a few months back and I'd started work on the episode prior to Glenn's passing. At first I decided to shelve it and we'd put it out in a couple of months' time, you know, not wanting to be ghoulish or trying to look like we're cashing in on Glenn's death. However, a couple of few more weeks have passed since and I decided, nah, finish it off and it'd be a fine tribute to uh, put it out in honour of Glenn. I hope you're rocking in heaven, Glenn Wheatley. You certainly left your mark. The year 1953, a plane touches down at Smithy's Airport in Sydney. On board is an American named Lee Gordon. The Australian music scene will never be the same again. From then until now, these are the stories. Hey there, this is Josh Hurston and you're listening to Awesome Aussie Songs. This episode is on John Farnham and his iconic song, You're the Voice. Our special guest is a musical director, keyboardist and leader of the Farnham band, Chong Lim. There's no real need to do a massive deep dive into the statistics about You're the Voice by John Farnham. Put simply, when it comes to a song released by an Aussie, it's simply number one. And when I say number one, that's in terms of record sales, radio airplay, and all-time pub and concert sing-along status. When you add to that Whispering Jack, the album that the single came from, the numbers become simply mind-boggling. You're the Voice was released in September 1986, and it stayed in the number one spot for seven weeks. All Up, Whispering Jack has sold over 1.7 million copies in Australia alone and was number one for an incredible 25 weeks. Just imagine for a minute how many Bali bootleg copies the album would have sold over the years as well. In Australia, it has been certified 24 times platinum. Whispering Jack is the highest selling album by a local artist and sits second only behind Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell for the most number of albums of all time sold in Australia. You're the Voice also reached number one in Sweden and Germany. It reached number 6 in the UK, selling over 200,000 copies, and was a top 20 hit in over a dozen countries around the world. It certainly wasn't John's first success. He had been around since 1968, with the often derided song, Sadie the Cleaning Lady. Sadie, the cleaning lady, with trusty scrubbing brush and pail of water, worked her fingers to the It may be a novelty song, but it went all the way to number one and stayed on top of the charts for five weeks. His career ebbed and flowed over the decades. 
and he even had a stint running the Little River Band, tasting US chart success as a lead singer on classics like Down on the Border. Here's another one, playing to win. And the top 10 US hit, The Other Guy. After leaving LRB, Whispering Jack would become his 12th solo studio album. Unfortunately for Farnham, prior to releasing the album, the media and radio stations didn't rate him as a musical icon, but a washed-up yesterday's hero. Regular listeners to this podcast will know this sort of treatment wasn't confined just to John. It seems plenty of our legends like Johnny O'Keefe and Billy Thorpe were also given the proverbial cold shoulder. One thing this trio also has in common was the way they rose above the music gatekeepers to have continued success. But as I mentioned, prior to the release of Whispering Jack, no one in the industry would touch John Farnham with a 10-foot barge pole. It seemed everyone except his manager, Glenn Wheatley, had lost faith in the former King of Pop. Wheatley and his wife, Gaynor, famously remortgaged their house to fund the recording of Whispering Jack. Such was the lack of respect that many had for John. Wheatley initially felt it was necessary to send out the early releases of the song to radio stations without Farnham's name attached to the single, fearing they would see it as just another Johnny Farnham song and never play it. Okay, that's a quick snapshot of Farnham's career up until that point. And while this episode is about You're the Voice, our special guest is Chong Lim, and Chong's musical career started a long way from backing one of Australia's greatest entertainers. Chong was born in Malaysia in 1958, and he has his parents to thank for his start in music, 
even if Chong had desires to become Malaysia's version of Pelé or Maradona. My parents forced me to learn piano. I just wanted to go out and play football. But, uh, you, you know, and I went through classical training and I hated it so much, you know. <laughs> I was one of those kids who would desperately practice just before the lesson and pretended to be practicing all week. Um, I was kind of, I, I loved playing piano, but the drills were crazy. But I, I really appreciate the drills now because it, gave me the chops I needed to play music, you know. While Chong may not have been overly fussed about practising the piano, listening to music still played a big part in his upbringing. Even though I was hating my piano lessons, I loved music. My parents had a huge record collection, about 2,000 LPs, and and then I uh, I discovered that I could buy records too. They, they, they played mainly the Muzak stuff, like Mantovani and all that. And I, I then discovered Carol King and James Taylor and Antonio Carlos Jobim, the Bossa Nova master, and, and Bert Bacharach and all that. And uh, I bought my own records and played them at home. And, and I dreamt that I could become a musician one day. In 1977, Chong travelled to Australia to attend boarding school at Geelong College. And it was here that he started to meet some up-and-coming future stars of Australian music. You know, in the old days of living in Malaysia, there were no opportunities for music. So it was only a daydream until I came to Australia. Uh, it was still a daydream, but um, the school I went to, Geelong College, for year 12, they encouraged me to play, to explore my interest in music. And and then I went to Melbourne University and studied engineering. And um, while I was there, I was living at Ormond College. And there I met the great David Hobson, who's a, a very successful tenor in Australia now. And and he was really interested in music and we played together. And and then, and then I met Willie Ziggier, who's one half of the partnership with Deborah Conway. And we had a jam at the college and he was in the scene already. He was in the jazz scene and he hooked me up with gigs and I remember my first gig ever was at the Court Jester Hotel in Chapel Street, Paran, and that hotel still remains. and And I was doing. Uh, he got me a gig with Jane Clifton, and and that was my first gig ever. And uh, and then one thing led to another, and then people started calling me, "Hey, do you want to dab for me?" and so on and so forth. And then I got in the music scene, and and I thought, "Wow, it's really cool." And uh. uh I still didn't think I would make it in music, but uh, I, I I loved playing music so much that, um, you know, whenever I was called, I would go. And, and I learned a lot on the job, you know. These days, there are schools that teach you this stuff, but uh, in the old days, you had to cut the mustard at a gig. As you would expect, from Malaysia to Melbourne created quite a culture shock for Chong. Absolutely, it was a huge culture shock. And, and I went straight into boarding school, which was another culture shock. <laughs> uh, everything and, and I, honestly one of the things that shocked me about Australia was at midday at, on Saturday everything closed and nothing opened again until Monday morning it was a huge shock to me you know in Asia things go on till midnight every every day and of the week and uh, so uh, I was thought oh my gosh it's so quiet you know can't do anything on Saturday 
And sun- Sundays, you can only go to church. <laughs> As his future success would show by leading the Farnham Band, becoming Olivia Newton-John's musical director, or writing and performing at the Sydney 2000 Olympics, Chong could certainly play a bit. One way that he was able to break down some cultural barriers was through the universal language of music. It's quite easy to learn to say, hey, cat, cool man, dude. <laughs> no, but look, you, you know, like musicians speak a, a universal language in terms of the technical aspects. So that was not so difficult. But one thing I, I had to get used to was saying, I'm doing a gig and going to a gig. So I felt, oh, wow, what's how cool to say I'm doing, doing a gig. I'm a professional. It wasn't too long before Chong had started to gig about the place. From 1978 to 81, he studied mechanical engineering at Melbourne University. However, thankfully for us, a career as a professional musician won out in the end. Chong got the call to fill in for the Farnham band after keyboardist David Hirschfelder left the band. You, you know, it's like a family, the music business. And so, you know, everybody knows everybody else. So, you, you know, I, come, I came from a world of the, of the depping system. So if a certain band needs a keyboard player and the keyboard player is away with another band or he's getting married or something, you, you know, they go, oh, we've got to find someone else, get a depth. Maybe we should give Chong Lim a go, you know. So that's how I got in the scene. And so when the great David Hirschfelder left the Farnham band, they were looking for someone else and they, they got someone else. But I, I, I think he didn't work out or something. Either he, he, he left or, or they didn't continue with him. And so I got the call and I remember the first gig I, I did was uh, the ARIA Awards up in Dreamworld. And I went up with them and, and learned the parts and, and played the gig. And, and I thought that that would be it. You, you, you know, it's a little depth gig. And, um, and then in the bus, you know, John was, you know, you know, selling that started the sale of tickets for the talk of the town tour and every, and then he said, Oh, we sold one concert gone. And, and he was getting excited. And five minutes later, he said, second concert gone, done, you know, and everyone was getting excited. I, I was kind of really embarrassed so slightly because I thought, well, it's, it's not part of my life, but I'll be excited with them. But, but ultimately, luckily they, invited me to do the tour, and that was my first tour with John Farnham. Yeah. While Chong thought the gig for the Farnham band was only temporary, he was soon enlisted to do the job full-time. Chong was then thrown into the deep end and had to quickly learn the Farnham set list for the Talk of the Town tour. Well, that was pretty scary, and to step into the shoes of David Hirschfeld was pretty hard. And when I looked at playing to win, I thought, I'm not doing this, it's too hard. You know, for a keyboard player, besides playing the parts, you have to make the sounds up. And that's one of the hardest parts of playing keyboards. 
Um, and David Hirschfelder was a master of the sonic qualities. He, it was it's his sounds that make Whispering Jack really happen. And so, and you you know, in the old days, the dinosaur keyboard player, you know, you'd have two or three keyboards surrounding you, and you've got to figure out what keyboard's doing what, what your left hand's doing, what right hand is doing. And so, you know, I was really nervous. And I remember when I went to rehearsal, I, you, you know, the first song was Reasons and we, we played it and I played it okay. And, 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 and everyone was happy. And I said, oh, can, can we do it again? And they said, okay, all right. And we did it a second time. Everyone's happy. And I said, look, can we do one more time? Because I wanted to finalize the sounds. So I think a few, a few band members were really sick and tired of me asking for more. So it stopped at twice. <laughs> Fonzie is well known for his quick wit and his on-stage banter with his band. Absolutely. And, and, you, and you say he's got a quick wit. He certainly has. And <laughs> I've been at the receiving end of a few. Um, yeah. And in, in, in the days when we had help in our routine, it was just me and him on stage. And he, he would play with the song a lot. before, And he, then he'd start. And then it'd be a false start. And I'd be the receiving end of his gags. It was a very funny time. Uh, but it was very enjoyable. The, his masterful control of the band was a sight to behold. And doing and, and I really miss doing help in the set. It used to go for 20 minutes. You know, he'd stop, start, and he'd bring the band in. And, and he, he was in total control of the band. It was just such a, an exciting experience. And the crowd would all go crazy, you know. And the reaction of the crowd is part of the concert. And so when the crowd goes with you, it's, it's very exciting to play in the band, you know. And, and coincidentally, the other night, I, I accidentally came a, across this thing called uh, Singer Reaction or something like that. It's a YouTube uh, blog. And, and this guy in America analyzes songs and he reacts instantaneously to the songs and he had just discovered John Farnham and Jimmy Barnes and and he was reacting to John doing You're the Voice and Help and he was blown away and then I realized look I've always thought John was incredible but to see someone who has no knowledge of Australian music acknowledging John's genius it was something else It, it you know <laughs> almost brought a tear to my eye, you know. Here's the guys on stage having some fun in the lead-up to performing Help. This next song's an oldie but a goodie. Maestro, if you will, please, Chong. You've been practising, haven't you, son? <laughs> that was pretty awesome. You want, you want to give it to me again? I think I missed it. Nope, didn't miss a thing. Okay. <laughs> Ten years at the Conservatorium of Music and here you are working in pop music and Johnny. Yeah. Give me something I can work with, son. One aspect of the John Farnham sound is that the keyboard player always gets their time to shine in the spotlight. It is pretty rare these days. It's all about the guitar player and the drummer. And so, you know, it's, you know, uh, 
the a, a whispering jack is a remnant of the 80s sound which is all keyboard stuff and yeah it's nice to to have a moment to shine it's you you, you know you it's not so boring and um r- rather than just playing p- simple pads and stuff you got things to do you know you know so it's fun and um and but it can be challenging sometimes too you you know you have to wait for the piano solo to age of reason and and then it, it you know look I, i'm used to it now but in the old days i'd be a little nervous before that you know thinking what if i play the wrong note <laughs> you know ladies and gentlemen mr chong lim on the keyboards please And uh, what if the solo isn't exciting? What if the solo isn't good? You know, but you soon get over that. You know, after hundreds of gigs. You're the voice is often described as one of Australia's unofficial national anthems. However, the song's beginnings started a long way from under the Southern Cross. English musician Chris Thompson from Manfred Mann's Earth Band co-wrote the song in October '85 with fellow Pommies Maggie Ryder, Andy Quinter, and Keith Reid. After oversleeping, they missed a protest march they had planned to attend. So instead of chanting slogans in a London street, they put pen to paper and You're the Voice was born. Manfred Mann's Earth Band had plenty of hits, including a US number one with a cover of the Bruce Springsteen song Blinded by the Light. There's a great article online by journalist Cameron Adams that delves deep into the history behind You're the Voice, and it's certainly worth a read. Once Thompson and co. had completed writing the song, they hawked it around the UK. It's fair to say the interest in the song, at best, was lukewarm to nothing at all. The original demo certainly lacked the magic that John Farnham was able to inject into the song. Legend has it that one of the co-writers, Andy Quanta, was in Australia playing on the Ice House album that was being recorded. Somehow through the grapevine, he heard that producer Ross Fraser was looking for songs for an album he was working on. Once he listened to You're the Voice, Fraser knew that with John Farnham belting out the tune, they were on to a winner. 
The musicians who played on You're the Voice alongside John are Brett Garside on guitar, David Hirschfelder on keyboard, drum machine and percussion, and Roger McLaughlin on bass. As Chong mentioned earlier, he joined the Farnham band for the Talk of the Town tour, and he wasn't there for the original recording of You're the Voice. However, he still heard plenty of stories about what took place at the recording session. I think he's mentioned it a few times. Um, they, they were doing, as you know, recording Whispering Jack, and they went through thousands of songs. And and towards the end of the the recording process, uh, Your the Voice arrived in the mail, and Ross Fraser, his producer, heard it and said, "That's a that's a great song. Let's do that." And so they recorded it. It was the last the last song that they recorded for the album, and that was the Golden golden egg, golden goose. Um, and I've read it in interviews many times, but I've heard John recount it over red wine many times. And he said that Glenn Wheatley and Gaynor Wheatley came by the studio to listen to the album. And, and, and you, you know, it's a nerve wracking process when, if you've ever done a record before, because when you play it to someone for the first time, it's very ner- nerve-wracking. You play it, and then you look at their body language, whether they're tapping their foot or not. If not, <laughs> you get paranoid. And and there was John playing your the voice back to Glenn, and Glenn said, "Look, John, I'm sorry. It's not as good as the demo you sang. You you know, in the old days, you do demos of songs before you went into record because recording is such a time-consuming and expensive process that." you do little demos first to make sure it works for your voice and the key and all that and the arrangement. And so, and Glenn said, look, it's, it's not as good as your, your demo. And, and so John ever, the perfectionist said, right. He goes in and does one take of the vocal. And that's the take you hear on the run record. And it's, it's an incredible vocal performance. The, the way he plays with the song, the way he changes from full voice to hate voice and so on is just an incredible feat. As Sheldon mentioned at the start of the episode, when we started putting this episode together, John Farnham's longtime manager and friend, Glenn Wheatley, died suddenly aged 74. We thought it was only fitting that we pay tribute to Glenn and his amazing contribution to Australian music. He was, of course, a hugely successful manager not only with John, but with the Little River Band, Pseudo Echo and Delta Goodrum, and many more acts he backed through Wheatley Records. Glenn was also behind the introduction of FM radio in Australia as well. While he managed some of the biggest names in Oz music history, during the late 60s he was also the bass player in one of the most popular bands in the land, The Master's Apprentices. He played on some of their biggest hits, including Turn Up Your Radio, and one of the all-time classics, Because I Love You. Because I 
The synthesized hand claps in You're the Voice are an integral part of the song. That's what we call stems in music. You, you know, uh, I've pre-recorded that in my laptop and I play the laptop back and the, the clap. It's a me- mechanical thing. It's no point playing that, you know, Live, so we play the what you call the stem, the music stem, and so and then we play along in time to that. That's an integral part of the song, and not only is it the famous introduction, but it also keeps the song together. It almost acts like a shaker part through the whole song, so it's an integral part of the sound. So we've got to have it. Former Little River Band bass guitarist Roger McLaughlin provides the groove to the song. Roger has a fantastic YouTube channel where he explains the bass lines he came up with and what he was thinking about when he was recording these parts. Not only for You're the Voice, but for many of the other hits he played on. He brings the bass parts forward in the mix and they are emphasised on these clips. Along with many others, Tron regards Roger as one of our finest bass guitarists. Well, it's a major part of the song too. It's so recognisable. And um, he he improvised it in the studio, so I hear. Uh, I, I wasn't at the recording, but it's, it's, you know, Roger is one of the best bass players that has ever come out of Australia, and he's world-class. And, you know, that's, I think, if anything... He's left a legacy right there with that lick, you, you know. He he was he he was the big session player in in Melbourne, and and he was asked to do that session. And he's a great fretless player, and and so I, I think he made made all that all that part all those parts up. And you know, in those days, you record it on tape, and it's very difficult to you 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 have to commit to the performance. These days, with a computer technology you can play a hundred parts and and they can cut it up you know and piece it together and all that but in those days a take is a take you're the voice is a song that keeps on giving you know if you 
you believe in the supernatural, it's God's gift to, to Farnham. You, you know, every artist has a gift once in their lifetime. And for John, it's your the voice. And, you know, similarly with Daryl Braithwaite, it's horses and, and you know, every, every great artist has a gift in, in, in their lifetime, you know. And that, that, that's what I love about music. You, you know, it's the mysterious combination of all the elements that make, make a hit. And, you, you know, all these things come together and make things happen. You know, it's almost supernatural. <laughs> Chong has even had the chance to play alongside the likes of US rockers Coldplay. Yeah, it's a big responsibility to, to be the keeper of the song for the boss. And, uh, and one of the highlights of my career was performing You're the Voice with Coldplay and John Farnham. Um, you, you know, Chris Martin specifically, when, when he was doing that concert for the five, uh, I, I think it was the, the charity concert. I don't know whether it was for the fire or for, for the drought or something. And they were going to play at the Sydney cricket ground. And, and Chris Martin said he wanted to do your, the voice with John Farnham. And, and there were rumors all over the papers. And, um, and I thought, wow, John's doing, probably doing your the voice with Coldplay. And then I got the call from Glenn Wheatley, John's manager, saying, look, we need you over at Rod Levitt Arena to rehearse with Coldplay. And, um, you know, so so I went there and rehearsed with them. And uh, not, not Rod Levitt Arena. I had to fly to Sydney to to the some stadium there and they were performing. And, and it was really surreal to be on stage playing Chris Martin's piano and kind of politely telling the, the great band what to play. You know, it was quite an experience. And then we did the gig and and um, John was in hiatus already in semi-retirement and and he was a little nervous. You, you know, John lives off nervous energy and he was kind of nervous, not knowing what the reaction with the crowd would give him. And when he came on stage, it was just ridiculous. It was crazy. The it was packed at the Sydney Cricket Ground, and and the crowd was crazy for him. And there were so many young kids, and and that that spurred John to, to resume concert touring again. And and he was convinced that you you know his heart lay in live performance, and he he decided to come back. And Glenn really took the opportunity to say, "Hey, uh, John, how about these dates and this tour?" And and John said yes very quickly. And that, that was a very magical moment. And um, it was very surreal to be on stage with that great band. When playing You're the Voice live, Chong has the best seat in the house. You, you know, it's one of the joys of performing live, you, you know, especially if you work for an incredible artist like John Farnham, who's a great singer and has, has, and has one of the greatest songs Australia has ever produced. And, and the crowd loves the song. Because it's la 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 song, and and when they sing along, it's quite an experience. Um, you you know you feel the energy from the crowd and the vibrations and all, and the sheer joy that people sing sing it. It's quite an amazing experience. Yeah, pretty emotional. And as I said, that that concert with Coldplay was unbelievable. Everyone in at the Sydney Cricket Ground was singing along. It was crazy. You you know, and we did it in the daytime, so you could see see the the furthest person away from from the stage, and you you could see them clearly, and and it was quite spine tingling. 
And and every time we do concerts, whether they are outdoor concerts in a festival or our own concerts, it's it's quite amazing when 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 we start with the claps, people go crazy already and, and they sing along and it's quite an experience, yeah. So it's nice to be hanging on the coattails of John Farnham. <laughs> when on stage leading the Farnham band, despite the pressures that comes with such a prestigious gig, Chong sometimes gets the chance to take in all the magic. There's a lot of responsibilities on stage. I got to make sure this doesn't, this works, that works, and all that. And um, so, but look, sometimes you, you you know you get lost in the moment, and and it's it's normally the last song we do in a set. So you know, so all responsibilities is gone as long as the computer plays the the claps. It's fine. The B side to your the voice is going, going, gone. There are not many singers around the world that have a set of pipes like John Farnham. He, he is an incredible singer. He's almost like a soul singer. You know, he sings all the R&B stuff really well and, and he's a rock singer and all the ACDC stuff. We used to do Black Dog, that Led Zeppelin song in our set and it was incredible. You know, it, it's as good as anything. He is a phenomenon and he can, he can sing a gentle, uh, tender song one moment and then scream at the top of his lungs. And, and if anyone has never seen him with Jimmy Barnes, you, you know, I hope one day they'll, they'll tour together because, you know, the, those two together are electric. And, and that, that famous video clip of John and Jimmy doing when something's wrong with my baby is a sight to behold. It's quite an incredible clip and quite an incredible recording. The power that John is able to create when he's singing is absolutely amazing. If anyone knows, a recording environment is a very stifling environment, very clinical. And so it's very difficult to project too much emotion. And he does very well in recordings. But it is, if, if anyone hasn't seen him live, they've got to see him live. You, you know, he's so, he's so powerful. He's singing so powerful that oftentimes you, you, you watch any clip of uh, You're the Voice or playing the wind and you see how far he puts his mic away from his mouth. And that's how loud he is when he sings. It's incredible. I remember the first time I rehearsed with him, I sat next to him and he sang and you could almost feel his chest rattling. So he's so good. When recording, Chong has seen firsthand that Fanzi won't accept second best. I, I feel blessed and very, very lucky to have played with him and under him. And I've learned a lot from working with him. And he is one person who takes no prisoners. He he pushes himself a lot. And in the studio especially, I'd go, oh, John, that's great. And he's just not, not, not good enough. And he goes in and, and blasts and, and performs incredibly well. He's, he's uh, relentless in his pursuit of his craft. There's no hiding Chong's admiration for Farnham and the enjoyment he gets from sharing the stage with him. Honestly, I, I, I just have to pinch myself sometimes to think that I play with John Farnham and, and to have done some of the journey with him. And I feel blessed that uh, I've been part of his career, you, you, you know, 
And uh, I can't wait to get on stage with him again because to hear that voice and to to feel the energy from that man is something to behold. You know, it's indescribable what he's like when he walks into a room. He lights it up, and with his gags and his warmth and all that, he's just incredible. What a human being and what an artist. Your the voice has been covered by musical royalty such as Queen and Olivia Newton-John. Amazing artists like Celine Dion have also been quoted about being in awe of John's incredible talents. Uh, I went went with him to the concert and we went backstage and Celine bowed to John and knelt down in front of him and 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 she she had such respect for John and and that's coming from one of the number one acts in the world. You, you know, she often she said she often uh, warmed up at Soundcheck in Vegas with that song. And, and she's a big fan of John. She knows all his jokes and, and all the things he says. I think she must have watched him a lot on YouTube or something, you, you know. Uh, and that's the respect that John gets from people. Like when we toured with, with Tom Jones as well, Tom Jones was very respectful of John and, and the two of them together was dynamite. And I, I used to pinch myself thinking, my God, I'm on stage with Tom Jones and John Farnham. What the hell? <laughs> You're a very lucky man. Chong's more than happy to be a sideman to a frontman like John. He's quite comfortable not having a shoulder or the extra responsibilities that goes with being a star. As they say, I've got a head built for radio. So um, it's it's nice to, to enjoy the excitement of live performance with these artists but they carry the can you know they they have to deal with the general public and the critics and i just sit there and ride on their coattails and have a good time you know um, i'm in a very lucky position the film clip to you're the voice features aussie film star jackie weaver and her then husband darren hinch when filming the video wheatley recruited to appear in the clip former members of pseudo echo and skyhook's greg McCainch, although they don't play on the actual recording of the song We'll have further episodes featuring Chong in the coming months. He was made a member of the Order of Australia in 2018 for his services to the performing arts, and he's certainly a musical maestro. Okay, that's enough of the talk. Here's You're the Voice by John Farnham. Chance to turn the 
Thanks for listening to Awesome Aussie Songs. Thanks to Chong for your time, and thanks to John Farnham for the music. Hi, this is Molly. You've just listened to a podcast brought to you by Marcos Promotions, written and produced by my dad, Sheldon the Kangaroo Kip. This is Molly Kidd saying to my good friend, Holly Kirsten, Hit it, girl! I've got something to tell you About a place that I've been to And now, now I know